0: Hello, and welcome to the last in our three-part series of Keeper Cut episodes dedicated to the trade deadline. Some bad news for those of you listening. This is Chad Young, and you've only got me today. Pete Ball is away, so he won't be joining us. You're going to get me doing a solo show trying to go through... Whew, I don't even know how many trades. <laughs> More than I care to count. In order to make it through these, we're going to focus very, very, very specifically on keeper value and where that's been impacted. So I'm going to run through a lot of trades that I'm just not going to talk about in detail. I'm going to try to cover everything we didn't get to as of yesterday. And with that, here we go. First of all, Daniel Hudson traded to the Padres. This is unfortunate for anyone who tried to grab him to replace Brad Hand as the closer in Washington, it is probably good for Tanner Rainey's long-term value because it gives him a clearer path to getting it, as we talked to you last time. I think Rainey is still a little ways away from getting that job, but it is at least possible. Hudson, nothing interesting for him in the Padres. Mason Thompson, the pitcher coming back, not a guy you should be on your radar yet. Baltimore Orioles traded Sean Armstrong to the Rays for cash, nothing to look at there. There's a Philadelphia and Pittsburgh trade, but it was not Richard Rodriguez who we were expecting to get traded there. It was Braden Ogle for Abraham Gutierrez no real keeper impact there. The twins Jose Barrios did in fact get traded, shipped off to Toronto for Austin Martin and Simeon Woods Richardson. I think this is a really interesting one. I think this is probably bad for Barrios's keeper value just because the East is going to be a lot tougher to pitch in than the central. but it's not a huge change. Little bit of a knock in his value, nothing major. The good thing is it does lock him in, you know, where he's gonna be next year. You don't have to worry about him getting traded to like New York, which would be an even worse landing spot. As far as Austin Martin and Simeon Woods Richardson go, these are both top prospects who should be on your radar. This probably gives them, especially Martin, a little bit of a clearer path to the majors as there's a bit more room in Minnesota than there is in Toronto. Not yet, though, a little bit of time, but a little boost for those guys, I think. Cleveland traded Eddie Rosario to Atlanta. They got Pablo Sandoval back. They released Pablo Sandoval almost immediately. Rosario's had a bad season. If you were thinking of keeping him, I don't know why you would be. I don't know why this would help him. It's going to get him a little more playing time in Cleveland. I think he would have had a hard time because they needed to give more time to some of the youth, but not a lot to see there. The Braves also got Adam Duvall for Alex Jackson. Jackson going to Miami is maybe interesting. Maybe he gets a shot to be the catcher there, and so he's probably a guy worth watching. Duvall, not a big change here. He is what he is. He is a useful power bat in fantasy. Don't think this changes his, his keeper value. I think in most leagues, he's not a keeper. In auto new leagues, we have him cheap. Maybe he is, depending on where he lands next year. But this doesn't really impact that a whole lot. Detroit trading Daniel Norris to the Brewers for Reese Olsen. No real keeper impact here. Norris is not a guy that you should be tracking. The Cubs trading Craig Kimbrell across town. We're going to be talking about the Cubs a lot, but trading Kimbrell across town for Cody Hoyer and Nick Madrigal. This one does have some implications. I think the first big question here is who closes on the south side? Kimbrell and Hendricks are two of the best in the game. I get the sense that it's going to be Kimbrell, but I don't really know. and so We'll have to wait and see how that plays out. The reality is that Hendricks is there next year. Kimbrel, we don't know yet. The Cubs gave up this year and an option on Kimbrel for next year. The Sox, looking to compete this year, looking to compete next year. They have Liam Hendricks, who is one of the best closers in baseball, and they have him through 2024. Now, all of a sudden, they've got Kimbrel this year and next year. I'm going to guess Kimbrel's the closer there this year and possibly next if they pick up that option. From a keeper perspective, that makes both Hendricks and Kimbrel a little bit risky, but let's see what happens the rest of the way. On the other hand, I think this is kind of bad for Nick Madrigal. Uh, It's going to give him a, a clearer shot maybe to playing time, but he already had the job in the White Sox lineup. And now he's in a much, much worse, much, much less exciting lineup On the north side, I'm not a big magical fan anyways, and so maybe that's coloring my perception here, but I think this is a little, small, tiny bit of a hit. It's also not quite as power-friendly a park. He doesn't have much power as is, so this is going to make it that much harder for him to to do anything of value from a power perspective. I don't know. Cody Hoyer, not a guy I'd be keeping. There's a possibility he closes at some point for the Cubs, but I'm I'm not keeping him to find out, that's for sure. The Twins making another trade of another starting pitcher. This one, Jay Happ going to the Cardinals for Evan Sisk and John Gant. I don't really understand what the Cardinals were doing here. Happ has not been good. Maybe they think they can fix him. None of these guys have keeper value as far as I'm concerned. The big one, the Nationals trading Max Scherzer and Trey Turner to the Dodgers for Josiah Gray, Kibert Ruiz, Donovan Casey, Gerardo Carrillo. This one from a keeper perspective, I mean, this is great for Scherzer down the stretch. I think it'll help him to really compete and to, to put up a great last couple months. I think the Dodgers have to do a great job with player development, which could help him out a bit as well. Turner, there's maybe more keeper impact because he's actually going to be there next year unless they make another trade. He's got another year of control left where Scherzer is a free agent after this season. And I think this is great for him. He was already an elite keeper. He's now just in a better lineup, and, and I think it's a it's a great landing spot for him. I think the biggest impact here for Turner from a keeper perspective is he didn't go somewhere bad. As soon as he was on the market, you had to worry about him landing in a spot that wasn't good. He's now in a great landing spot. I think this is a fantastic result if you're a, a Turner fan. On the other side of things, you've got Josiah Gray and Kiebert Ruiz, the big winner here is Ruiz. Ruiz has had a really, really nice season. He he was a guy who, for me, always looked like, I don't know, defense first, not necessarily a guy who was going to hit as much as you'd like him to. He's only 23. He has 16 home runs and 52 games in AAA this year, a 631 slugging percentage. He's got a 414 WOBA, a 140 WRC plus in AAA, And now he's got a clear path to major league playing time. That was severely, severely lacking for him in LA. He was not going to be the catcher in LA anytime soon. He's got a job at least next year, if not sooner. Big, big boost to his value. He should be, when he's up, he should be rostered everywhere. You should certainly be rostering him in auto new leagues at this point. I'm super intrigued by him. Josiah Gray, uh, again, a clear path to playing time. That, That Dodgers rotation is very crowded. He was starting to break in anyways this just helps him get a clear path and I'm I'm a big fan of gray so I would I'd be going out and adding him if I can the question now is does he start off in the nationals rotation or does he spend some time in triple a but either way his long-term value I think is improved because his path to playing time is clearer the Nationals also traded Josh Harrison and Jan Gomes. That was part of why Ruiz now has so much space, because Jan Gomes is out of the way. They sent those two to Oakland for Drew Milas, Richard Gausch, and Seth Schumann. Harrison's having a great year, and I guess they're probably I probably should be interested in him as a keeper. I'm not. I think he's just sort of an interesting piece. I don't think this helps or hurts him. Oakland, not a great place to play. He should play pretty regularly. It doesn't really change my perception of him one way or the other. Gomes probably hurts him a little bit because I think he's probably a backup instead of getting a little bit more playing time in, in DC or had he been sent somewhere else. But neither of those guys are really keepers. The Cleveland soon-to-be Guardians trading Phil Maton and Yainer Diaz to Houston for Miles Straw. The, the two going to Houston are... Maybe interesting, but not really. Maton is not going to close. Diaz isn't ready yet. Straw is an interesting one. He has been a stolen base fiend. He is starting to hit pretty well. He doesn't offer a lot of power, but there's a real opportunity for him to grab and run with the center field job in Cleveland. We'll have to see if he can do that. In 5 by 5 leagues, I think he's a really interesting guy to watch. Outside of 5 by 5 or anything that doesn't really count steals, I'm less intrigued because he just doesn't do enough else. The other big middle infield trade that we haven't talked about yet, Javier Baez going from the Cubs along with Trevor Williams to New York for Pete Crow Armstrong. I think Baez to the Mets is interesting because I think there's a real chance they extend him. I don't think that's great necessarily for his long-term value because it probably means that after next season, he is second base only. Uh, instead of having shortstop eligibility. But in the short term, I think it'll be really good. I think he, he and Francisco Lindor playing side-by-side side is going to energize both of those guys. I think it's going to be great for both of them. I, I don't think this has a huge impact on Bias's keeper value, though, at least until we see where he's going long-term. For Pete Crow Armstrong, he's he's such an interesting prospect, but not quite ready yet. And so I'm not really sure this makes a big difference. He's still a top prospect, still a guy I would be interested in rostering in auto-new and in other in other deeper formats but he's not coming up anytime soon, I wouldn't think. The Kansas City Royals traded Jorge Soler to the Braves for pitcher Casey Kalich. Soler was starting to take off. He had had a really rough start to the season and just got hot recently. We'll have to see if he can keep that up, but he should have plenty of playing time in Atlanta. Well, it'll be interesting to see him in a park that isn't Kauffman. Kauffman really suppresses power. And so hopefully, this will be a nice boost for him. I don't know exactly how he's going to fare in Atlanta, but if you look at Baseball Savant, he's got 13 home runs this year. If he played all of his games in Atlanta Stadium, he would have 20. Last year, he had eight. They say he would have had 10 with Atlanta, so there should be a nice little power boost for him. It's going to be a, a better lineup to hit in. I think it should be a, a, a it should be good for him. I'm not sure how much it really matters long-term for his value. I think it remains to be seen where he's playing in the future. The Braves only got him for this season. He is a free agent at the end of the season, and so we're going to have to see where he ends up. But like I said, it will be interesting to see him hitting in a less terrible power park. It may change my opinion of him long-term if he shows that he can hit pretty well in that park. Richard Rodriguez, he got traded to the Braves. Bryce Wilson and Ricky DeVito heading back. Wilson is interesting because the Pirates could probably use him pretty quickly. For Rodriguez, he was the closer in Pittsburgh. Now, I don't know. Maybe he takes over. I guess he probably does take over as the closer in Atlanta. And if he takes over as a closer in Atlanta, then this is great for him. It's just interesting. It'll be interesting to see what the Braves do. They've been using Will Smith as their closer. He's got 21 saves and has been quite good this year. So my, my guess is, though, that what this means is it is a knock for Smith. It is a boost for Rodriguez both this year and in the future, and a little bit of a boost for Bryce Wilson, who should get more of an opportunity in Pittsburgh. Will Smith is obviously the, the big guy to get knocked down a peg here if he loses that closer job. And David Bednar in Pittsburgh is probably next man up. If you don't have him already, it might be too late. If you can get him, you should. I think there's a decent chance he not only takes the job this year, but holds it for a bit going forward. So definitely interested in him. Another Twins trade, they traded Hansel Robles to the Red Sox for Alex Scherf. Nothing really to see here. The Diamondbacks traded Joaquin Soria to the Blue Jays for a player to be named later. Soria just adds to the mix. We talked about it yesterday that there's sort of a mess in Toronto with who's going to be closing. Soria has been closing really well in in Arizona lately. My guess is it's not him. My guess is it is still hand, but he could mix in there. We'll have to see. Pittsburgh trading Austin Davis, left-handed pitcher Austin Davis to the Red Sox for Michael Chavis. Chavis is... At least interesting. He played pretty well when he was up in 2019. He had a 347 Woba and 382 plate appearances. He's been bad since then. He hasn't really been getting a clean shot in Boston this year. He will get that in Pittsburgh, I would think. Right? There's no reason for him to get him and not sort of give him a real opportunity. So I expect he will get a real opportunity there. Austin Davis, nothing, nothing to see there as far as I'm concerned. Another Cleveland Guardians, future guardians trade relief pitcher DJ Johnson, and and Major League Baseball calls him a center fielder on their transaction report, but outfielder Jordan Luplo to the Rays for Peyton Battenfield. Battenfield's in double A. He's not a guy you need to worry about right now. Luplo is the interesting one here. The Rays will likely use him as a platoon guy facing lefties, and he crushes lefties. In deeper leagues where you can afford to have a small side platoon guy in your outfield, I'd be taking a look at him. Not a big long-term value because I'm not sure what his role is going to be, but very interested to see what he can do. I think the, the Rays are are smart to go pick him up. Now, this one I find to be a weird one. The Texas Rangers traded Kyle Gibson, Ian Kennedy, and Hans Cruz to the Phillies for Spencer Howard, Kevin Gowdy, and Josh Gessner. I'll be honest, I'm not sure I believe Gibson is better than Howard the rest of this year. I think this is a nice boost for Howard. That park in Philly is awful, and the new park in Texas appears to be a much better pitcher's park. I think it's a really bad move for Gibson. I think he's gonna struggle to succeed in that Philadelphia park. Those are the those are sort of the two keeper values I see there. I think it's bad for Gibson, good for Howard. Other than that, we'll have to see. The Phillies also reacquired Freddie Galvis. They got him from Baltimore for Tyler Birch. I, I don't see Galvis as a keeper. Um I don't think this has a big impact on his value. It will be good for him this year, because I think. Better lineup, still in a good park to hit, but we'll have to see how that plays out. The Cubs traded Jake Marisnick to the Padres for Anderson Espinosa. I don't think there's a lot to see here. Espinoza used to be a really interesting prospect. Maybe he can be again, but not. neither of these guys are fantasy relevant today. The Cubs also traded Chris Bryant to the Giants for Alexander Canario and Caleb Killian. The really interesting thing here for me is San Francisco's coaching staff has sent Done such a good job unlocking talent, finding improvements, getting the most out of guys. And Bryant is obviously, look, Bryant is an excellent baseball player. He's been an excellent baseball player for a long time. He is still going to be an excellent baseball player, even in a slightly more difficult park. But He had a really down year last year, and he has never really reached the heights he reached early in his career, right? At 24 and 25 years old in 2016 and 2017, he had a 396 WOBA and a 399 WOBA. Those are 148 and 147 WRC pluses. He's at 132 this year, which is really good, right? A 132 WRC plus, 352 WOBA, those are really good. They are not the heights he'd had in the past, or sorry, 369 WOBA and a 132 WRC+, plus, not the heights he's had in the past. I am intrigued to see what San Francisco can do with him, if anything. It may be that this is just who Chris Bryant is. I am not changing my keeper value on him very much, especially given that he's a free agent at the end of the year. But I am very curious to see what they do. And what I'd be looking for with Bryant is over the next two months, A, does he perform better? And B, is there a change in his swing? Is there a change in his approach? Is there some conversation about something San Francisco helped him with? Because if he can look more like that almost 400-woba guy he was earlier in his career for a couple months, and there's something behind it, it may boost up my value for him going into 2022. Right now, he's just sort of the guy he's been. See, the Angels traded Tony Watson to the Giants for Jose Marte, Sam Selman, and Yvonne Armstrong. Nothing really to see there. The Angels also traded Andrew Haney to New York for Elvis Piguero and Jansen Junk. Uh, A pitcher named Junk going (laughs) going back in this deal is great. I love the idea of that. I hope he's a junk baller. I actually know nothing about him. Haney, I think this is a problem for. There's always been this this thought that at some point somebody could unlock something great in Andrew Haney, and maybe, maybe the Yankees can help with that. But if they can't, I think he's going to have real, real problems in Yankee Stadium. I don't like this deal very much for the Yankees. I don't like this deal very much for Haney. I don't think the Yankees gave up much. So I don't think it hurts them very much. But man, I'm I'm not super excited about this. As someone who needs pitching, I mean, let's be honest, we all need pitching everywhere, right? It's That's, that's maybe the biggest need anyone has is pitching all over the place. I don't think that this is going to... This takes Haney off my list. I'm not interested in moving forward. Another Yankees trade, as long as we're talking about the Yankees. We talked about Gallo yesterday. Now they've also acquired Anthony Rizzo for outfield prospect Kevin Alcantara and pitcher Alexander Vizcaino. Rizzo in Yankee Stadium, I think is a just a great, great landing spot for him. He's always been, I mean, obviously he has good power, but not great power for a first baseman. I guess I would say, I mean, if you look at the last three years, he has 27 home runs, 11 in the shortened season, only 14 so far this year. Not elite power. However, in Yankee Stadium, instead of 14, if he played all of his games in Yankee Stadium this year, according to Baseball Savant, he would have 23 home runs instead of 14. I think he's going to love, love, love that short porch in right. I am super excited. I think this has meaningfully boosted his value. There is... A question long term because he is not signed beyond this year. And so we'll have to see if he stays in New York. But if I'm Anthony Rizzo, I love this because I think he's going to go off for a couple months. I think it's going to boost his value as a free agent. And if he can, if he ends up staying in New York, that's going to have a big, big impact on my thinking about him long term. That probably depends on whether or not they can do anything with Luke Voigt, and it seems like so far they have been unable to do that. It'd be very interesting to see what they do with Voigt and Rizzo and Gallo and Judge and Stanton and all the other guys they've got to fit in. All of those guys are really first base corner or DH types. Gallo could be a center fielder. Judge is playing center field tonight. So I guess maybe they think he could be a center fielder. It'll be interesting to see what happens there. Voight is still hurt. So there's a little bit of time before they have to figure that out. But I do, I love this for Rizzo. I really do. I think the thing I will note is if Rizzo goes off, and then doesn't re-sign in New York, I'm going to be a little cautious about what I think about him next year. It's sort of the opposite of Bryant, right? If Bryant goes off and it feels like the Giants helped him make a change, then I don't care where he goes. His value's increase for me. If Rizzo goes off and it's because of that short porch, then if he doesn't stay, then I'm not that interested. Uh, we didn't talk about Danny Duffy. There are actually a couple more from yesterday we missed. So Danny Duffy going to the Dodgers for a player to be named later. This is pretty bad for his value this year. Danny Duffy was having a really good season. He's had some injury issues. It's He's injured right now. When he comes back, it sounds like he is going to be a reliever for the Dodgers, sort of giving a long man out of the pen. It's not great. I really like Duffy. I think he's a really good pitcher. I, I think that the problem is that if he's not starting, and I think in LA, they've got too much depth, he won't be starting. I don't know what value he has. From a fantasy perspective, he's not closing. He's not starting. What do you do with him? He is a free agent after this season. So, again, I think the good thing here, sort of like we talked about with Bryant, if they can help Duffy, if the player development, the pitcher development process in LA can improve Duffy and help him figure a couple little things out, maybe it boosts his value long term. But I don't know. We'll have to see. Right now, it definitely hurts his value for this year, and it's unclear what it'll be for next. The other deal from yesterday that we didn't get to because it happened after we were done recording: Kyle Schwarber to Boston for Aldo Ramirez. Schwarber in Boston. I think this is. I think this is great, especially given what's happened in DC. Right. If, if the Nationals are going to get rid of everybody, then Schwarber was going to be the last man standing. Be you know, Schwarber and Soto playing side by side with with nobody else around basically is not ideal for either of them. Schwarber now in Boston going to be in a good lineup. It'll be very interesting to see how he handles first base because if he doesn't handle first base, I'm not really sure what they do, but I imagine I imagine they'll figure something out. The challenge with Schwarber is Boston's not really a great fit from a park perspective for him. You know, we'll have to see, but as a a left-handed power bat, it's not quite as friendly there unless you keep it way down the line. If you look at baseball savant, and I've been referencing them a lot, he has 25 home runs this year of all of his games where at Fenway, he would have 21. Not a huge hit, but a hit. A couple years ago when he was still with Chicago, he had 38 home runs, and had he been in Boston, he would have had 44. I don't know. We'll have to see. It's not a terrible landing spot from a park perspective. It is a great landing spot from a lineup perspective. It's also pretty useful that he will likely end up with first base and outfield eligibility in most leagues for both this year and next. But again, then the long-term question with him comes in as it has with so many of these other guys. He does have another year of maybe team control. It's a mutual option for next year. If things go well in Boston, he takes to first base and they've got room for him. Maybe he sticks around and I don't know. We'll have to see. They've got Tristan Cassis coming. It is it is unclear. And so, for me, with Schwarber, his long term value, <sighs> I, I like that he's going to get first base eligibility. I think there's a lack of clarity now. I think there was a really good chance he was going to stay in DC, given how good his season is. Maybe not. Eleven point five million on that mutual option may not be enough for him. He might be able to do better on the open market now. I don't know. I don't know if Boston keeps him for that. I don't know if he wants to stay for that. So his future feels a little bit more iffy to me than it did before. So I think we've now covered every trade that I can think of where I think that there's any keeper implications. There was John Lester was traded away from the Nationals. I'm not sure there's anything to see there. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm sort of scanning through. We didn't talk about Ryan Tepera going from Chicago to Chicago, from the Cubs to the White Sox for Bailey Horn, but he is very, very much buried in that White Sox pen. Probably hurts him a little bit because in, Chica- in, sorry, in Chicago, I keep saying in Chicago when those two teams make trades. On the north side, he might've gotten a chance to close. That is obviously not going to happen. On the south side, I don't think we talked about Austin Shenton and JT Charjois going to Tampa for Diego Castillo. Castillo, I think, will get a shot to close in Seattle, which will be great for him. And for his value, I don't know that that holds long term. So I'm not really sure I'm, I'm moving the needle a whole lot there. And I think that's it. I think we've covered everything. If I miss something, let me know. You can hit me up on Twitter. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Keeper Cut. You can follow me on Twitter at Chad Young. Even though Pete's not here, I should tell you, you should follow him at Pete B Baseball. We'd both love to hear from you. Let us know if we missed anything. Let me know what you think of this solo effort. I feel like it was a little bit weird. It's strange not having my partner in crime here. Hope you enjoyed it anyways, and we will see you next week.